Hello everyone and welcome to Under the Wire. I'm sorry that we're a little bit late this morning. We did have some technical issues but we've worked them all out and I'll be bringing you Kent Hecken Lively in a moment. I want to wish everyone who's here a happy Mother's Day. Um, you know, I, I just think that most of the people who are active on this page are mothers and we are all amazing. So pat yourselves on the back because you're incredible people. Um, and and have a day to celebrate your incredibleness. I'm making up words as I go along. Good morning, Sally, and good morning, Adam. Um, I'm going to introduce Kent Hecken Lively in a minute, who is one of my favorite people. Um, he's hysterically funny uh, while talking about some of the saddest and most emotional issues, and uh, I was lucky enough to have him... Uh, presenting at some of the Q&As in the first Vax tour and he was just incredible. You can find those videos on the AVN uh, YouTube channel and I suggest that you go and look for them because uh, he's absolutely a wealth of information and um, just a, a really good communicator and he's the author of several books which we'll be talking about also. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Kent Hecken Lively on. Hello, Kent. Hey, how are you doing, Meryl? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm uh, doing great. Okay, I'm just going to adjust my volume here because I think I'm yelling even though I'm trying not to. So, um, you are the world's number one anti-vaxxer, aren't you? Self, self-proclaimed, yes. <laughs> and I'm proud. Okay, and I want to go back a little bit in history because uh, after Polly Tommy was banned, I think this was the right order. Uh, Polly mm -hmm. Tommy was banned when she was leaving Australia after the Vax tour. And uh, you then wrote a letter to the Prime Minister saying that you wanted to come to Australia and speak about vaccination. You hadn't even applied for a visa at that point. Is that right? Well, actually, what I had done is after I heard the story about Polly Tommy, I gave her a call and I reached her in New Zealand and I wrote an article for a Bolin report where you can usually find me. And so I, I just thought, uh, you know, so I did an article on her and she told me uh, the story of how she was hassled at the airport mm -hmm. and how they had said that uh, if we'd known what you were coming to talk about, we would have never let you in the country. <laughs> and so then my adolescent mind started spinning and I thought, huh, I wonder what the government would do if somebody announced what they were going to do. And it, the, the funny thing is, you know, I have a very severely autistic daughter. You know, I can barely get out for a night on my own or to go out with friends. So the idea of me traveling to Australia is beyond anything I'm capable of. But I thought nobody needs to know that. So what I did was I actually did apply for a visa to visit Australia um, to a speaking uh, to, that I was going to come and speak. So I used the proper format. And so then I wrote a very public letter to your prime minister, which I published in the pages of Bolin Report. And in it, I announced that I was going to do a dangerous science tour of Australia to speak specifically about vaccines and my call for a five-year childhood moratorium on childhood vaccines. And I thought that 
it would be great, um, given my world importance, if he met me at the airport. Um, uh, but if he couldn't, I understood because he was busy and I'd be happy to take an Uber to his personal residence, the lodge, uh, where we could have our discussions in private. And um, I really didn't want him to make a big fuss over me, but if he wanted to give me an award for my great work, I would accept um, Officer of the Order, um, Order of Australia, because it sounded like something Winston Churchill would get. And so <laughs> I, I told him that I also specifically liked their automated uh, application form because it was very likely that on the date that I had um, published my letter, it had already been granted. So I told him I looked forward to visiting the brave people of Australia, and I hope he would throw a shrimp on the Barbie for me. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I, I didn't really think it was going to go anywhere because, you know, you, you write your, your articles and you get a couple hundred or a couple thousand people listening, you know, reading them and, you know, you get 15, 20 comments. You don't know how many people are listening to you. And then suddenly, you know, I find that I'm front page news in Australia. Oh, yeah, and, big uh, time. <laughs> you, you know, because the, the stupid uh, newspaper people uh, can't really do too much. The, the thing that cracked me up is, you know, I've got an autistic kid, so I'm not really doing much social media. You know, I'm not posting pictures of myself there. But on my Facebook page, my cover picture was of me in front of our United States Capitol. You know, and it, it looked like, an, hey, I'm running for Congress picture. And so, you know, the, the, the Australian newspapers, you know, dangerous anti-vaxxer, denied entry, and you know, and the picture they have of me is I'm looking like, you know, cutie pie guy who's running for Congress. <laughs> and, and, and I think it really annoyed them. Um, but, you know, and your immigration minister, Peter Dutton, you know, railed against me in parliament. Yes. We will not allow this dangerous American to come here. And um, so then, uh, you know, I also was covered in BuzzFeed. I was covered, um, uh, in the the BBC covered it, um, the South China Post. I think I was in over Brilliant. five hundred. <laughs> you know, and it was hilarious because I had no intention <laughs> of going to Australia. And, and so, you but know, you then, scared uh, them. You scared the daylights out of them. They were I terrified. <laughs> I, I know. And, and so, you know, then it, it was kind of fun because I thought, wow, they really think I'm somebody, you know, and I'm an absolute nobody. And so, you know, that then, uh, you know, the, my follow-up articles were, you know, um, I, I demanded that uh, the United States enforce a naval blockade of Australia until freedom that. was restored. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> other sorts of things, you know, I called for dialogue. I, I you know, I, I told that the, um, the prime minister, I said, look, you know, I understand your wife, Lucy Turnbull, has about $60 million of shares of pharmaceutical stock. Tell you what, if you leave Australia now, I will let you take all your money with you. And I think you can go to the Maldives Islands because the Maldives do not really have any extradition treaties. And, you know, I try to be really helpful to your prime minister because, you know, I found the list of the 10 most popular restaurants in the Maldives Islands. So I figured, you know, that's a place where Malcolm and Lucy could, um, uh, you know, could go and, you know, and, and, and you know, 
and also I, I did some things which was uh, I thought you know <laughs> um, I then after I called for let's see I, I called for a naval blockade uh, see nothing violent you know nothing violent yeah yeah naval blockade that's not violent not I, an invasion I I, I yeah I, I also <laughs> called I called for the provision of non-lethal aid to the Australian anti-vax rebels um, that would consist of <laughs> copies of my book and copies of vaxed. Um, so then, uh, th then what I did was I, um, uh, I, I got a, a, a uh, you know, one of those crazy disguises where you got a big nose and glasses and bushy eyebrows. And so um, I took a picture I'm of myself. I'm showing a picture of that now while you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, so I, uh, I, I took that picture and um, in, in front of Australia and I, I declared my intention to sneak in to Australia in a disguise and using a phony name. And I said, the phony name I will be traveling under is Lucy Turnbull. Because, you know, these are times of gender fluidity. So maybe in the morning I feel like a woman, maybe in the afternoon I feel like a man. You're so entitled. You're I, entitled. I, I'm entitled. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I also identify as being six feet tall. So, um, so, uh, so then I, I, I said, you know, I am going to, I'm going to identify myself as Lucy Turnbull. I said the only two differences between me and Lucy Turnbull is I don't have six million dollars, six million shares of pharmaceutical stock, and she has a thicker mustache than I do. <laughs> uh, I love this because it shows the ridiculousness of the way in which the government handles this issue. And the thing is, if they had the evidence, if they had the information and the science behind them, they would welcome you with open arms. They'd be saying, yes, let's talk about this. But because they're basing their entire health policy or sickness policy on absolute nothing, anyone can can break well, it down. Well, I even went I even went any further because I actually sent a copy of my book Inoculated to your prime minister, and in my letter I said, please identify any errors of fact here, which render me, you know, in you know, not not being of the proper character to travel to Australia. Um, so it, it even got kind of worse. Um, uh, so maybe about six, seven months after that, uh, my wife was running a marathon um, and we were visiting her, doing it with some family members and we were in Florida. And I suddenly get a call from my brother um, in, in California. And he is just laughing hysterically on the phone. And I'm like, Jay, what? what? What's so funny? And he goes, he's saying, R. Kelly, R. Kelly, R. Kelly can't go to Australia. <laughs> and I said, oh, oh R. Kelly, uh, he's some rap guy accused of inappropriate behavior with young women. And he goes, he goes, yeah, but you're in the article about R. Kelly. I'm like, what, what do you mean? And so he, he tells me, he reads me the article and it says, you know, R. Kelly accused of inappropriate behavior with young girls as being is being banned from going to Australia. Australia has a long history, has a history of banning foreigners um, on character grounds. This list includes Chelsea Manning, Chris Brown, the, the singer who, you know, domestic violence, um, Gavin McGinnis of the Proud Boys and anti-vaxxer Ken Hackenlive. <laughs> 
You've made it. You have made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, uh, it, it was it was so ridiculous because I thought, you know, if I'm a regular person in, in the United States, you know, all of these other names I know, except Ken Heckenlively. I, I was like, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I, I think highly of myself, but no. I'm not as well known as Chelsea Manning. I'm not as well known as R. Kelly. Why am I in this article with them? So, I guess uh, one of the things, one, one of the things I, I also did because you know, I really want to produce, pronounce, prove, um, I really want to promote good international relations. Is um, the cartoonist Ben Garrison uh, did a cartoon uh, for me, uh, showing me as the leader of the Australian Freedom Force. And in the spirit of international cooperation, uh, not only do I show it here, but I'd like to announce to your audience that I sent a copy of this to your prime minister. So if any of you happen to go into his office, please check, or oh, your former prime minister, um, please check. Maybe, maybe it's hanging on his wall, but- I'm sure he, it he is. Never, he, he, you know, and I'm sorry to say this, he never sent me a thank you. Oh, that's rude. That is just rude. I, I, I know. I know. And after all I've done for him. <laughs> I know you offered to come to the lodge and have tea with him. What's better than that? Well, I wanted a place to stay. <laughs> I'm sure they have you know, room. You know, they could have found a, a bedroom I, for I, you somewhere. I, a broom closet. Sure it's a big place. When I looked at it, I thought, you know, I, just, hey, pull, pull out a couch for me. I'm okay. <laughs> couch surfing with the prime minister. I like that. Exactly. Yeah. You know. I'll so, hang out. Can I, can I ask you, because I don't know if I've made this up in my head or if this really happened. When you were doing one of those Q&A sessions, did you come on with those glasses, the fake mustache and the glasses at the beginning? Of yes, because... I, <laughs> Yes, I did, because I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to Australia. I have to be in disguise. <laughs> I thought it was very hard to keep a straight face. I have to tell you, when we're doing Q&A <laughs> sessions and you're sitting there with a fake mo nose and mustache. <laughs> I didn't want to be found out. <laughs> uh, I, just, I just think it's incredible that... The government actually thinks that by not allowing you into the country, they're going to stop your message. When we have this thing called the Internet and, uh, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people are going to hear what you're saying uh, right now or later on uh, in the week. And the government can't stop that. They just cannot stop that. And it must make them feel very powerless uh, and as well as scaring the daylights out of them just because you, they thought you might be coming here to share information, the fact that they can't control that is pretty incredible. So um, tell us a little bit about your background. I know that you were a science teacher. I've had a, uh, someone comment on Twitter who was actually taught by you, and she was really excited about this. I'm not sure if it's a man or a woman. Sorry, that was an assumption on my part. So you taught science. Yeah, I still teach science, oh, you still and do. Uh, so so I actually I I, come, I jokingly say I, I come from a family of lawyers and teachers, and I've been both. So uh, first I went to law school, and um, uh, then I, I practiced law in a firm with my dad for many years, and uh, then he, he, he kind of retired, and I sort of felt like teaching was more my um, more my thing because uh, in being a lawyer, it's really about you know wrecking people's days. I mean, you know, 
lawyers point blame constantly. You did this wrong. Give me money. No, I didn't do anything wrong. No, you don't. And I just hate that. And, you know, I, I'm more about education, more about the positive, more about being fun, um, you know, because, I, I, hey, we all make mistakes in life. And so let's let's learn from our mistakes. Let's be positive about that. But, you know, I, I kind of it, it, it's kind of funny because people will say, oh, God, why? How did you go from being a, a lawyer to a, a teacher? And I say to them, no lawyer ever asks me that question. Why? They, Tell me. <laughs> they, they, all, they hate the profession because it's a negative profession. Wow. So, um, you know, I, I teach, teach every day and, and you know, um, I'm around middle school students. They laugh and, you know, they're trying to do their best. And, you know, there's so many things that I, I hate that we lose as we get older. You know, one of, I always say one of the things that I love about middle school, school students is they really can't lie very well. When they lie to you, it's really a strain. And if you stare at them long enough, they'll generally crack. And, and I think, what, a, what a wonderful thing. Why do we ever lose that? Wouldn't that be great? You know, wouldn't it be great if our politicians, you know, couldn't lie? If, you know, and if you said, you know, Senator, did you take a bribe for $50,000? Yes. I wanted to buy a boat. You know. Why am I seeing Jim Carrey in my head right now? <laughs> you know, if, if they did that so quickly, we'd probably forgive them, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. All right. So you, you were a lawyer, then you became a science teacher. And along the way, you've also written three books. And the most yes. written, uh, the first one was called Plague, and you wrote that with right. Judy Mike, Dr. Judy Mikevitz. Yep. Then you wrote Inoculated, which was yep. a lot about um, the autism, the, the, uh, the CDC whistleblower and the cover-up of the autism information in the United States. It's a very good book. Whoops. I keep yep. putting it on the wrong side because everything's backwards here. Yeah. Your most recent book is called Plague of Corruption. Now, Amazon, I'll do you one better. There we go. <laughs> Amazon hates anyone who questions vaccination. Jeff Bezos um, has said that they're going to remove uh, any anti-vaccine videos and books from the platform. But your book is on there and it has been number one across Amazon for the last three days. We cannot keep the book here. It sells out. It's only been when was it published? Like the beginning of April? Uh, April 14th, 14th. And, 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 you know, as, as much as I would like to, to, to peddle in Amazon conspiracy theories, um, the, the fault was really, um, with my publisher, um, because they had this idea that with technology, you know, publishers don't have to, um, you know, create so many physical books, not knowing if there's going to be the demand. So the initial print run was relatively small, um, probably three or 4,000. Um, and they just ran out. And so they have been, uh, they've already authorized and printed up editions two and three. Um, and, you know, I, I keep talking to my publisher, when is it going to be there? So that you can order it on Amazon for, for about a week. The link for the hardcovers was not working. The link is now working. Um, and Kindle, if you got a Kindle, you can yes. get it immediately. 
So, so that's wonderful. And um, we were fortunate enough to run across a filmmaker named Mickey Willis, who when he heard Judy's story, just kind of went nuts and decided like within a week, he needed to um, you know, put together a 25 minute video uh, featuring Dr. Mikevitz using all of his skills as a Hollywood producer because, you know, production matters and, and people yeah. who know how to present things, that's really an important thing. And that documentary is just blown up. You know, I mean, it's 25 minutes. Um, I talked to him two or three nights ago. He told me it had been seen by over 50 million people. Is that pandemic? Um, pandemic, yeah. Yes, yes. And so then it's getting banned by YouTube, but everybody's throwing it up at different things. And, you know, it's created this kind of hysteria. Um, you know, I, I've had so many people tell me like absolutely wild things. And I think you can see I'm a bit irreverent. So, you know, would I puff up my importance? You betcha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so it, it's kind of, it, it's a little bit, you know, I, I don't know. Um, uh, remarkable to be saying like, yeah, I'm the number one best-selling author in the world now. <laughs> and it's, I it's say like, so. <laughs> yeah, go to Amazon. I'm number one in all books. <laughs> now, at least in the United amazing. States. That's pretty amazing. If anybody wants to see Plandemic, it has been taken off of YouTube. It keeps getting put up, but it is on BitChute. So people yeah. can watch it there. So just go to just do a search for Plandemic Bit Shoot and you'll be able to see it. And um, I have not quite finished reading the book. I'm about three quarters of the way through it. A few of the people are commenting that it's easy to read it on the Kindle. And it is. I, I read mine on the Kindle. Um, but it's, it's amazing the timing that you had in putting this book out because I spoke with you before we started and you had no idea that coronavirus, COVID-19 was going to be happening. And yet this book is perfect for that situation. Yeah, you, you know, and I think that the reason I really kind of glommed on to Dr. Judy's story is I felt like I was going to see a pattern develop. Um, because I had really followed closely the story of Dr. Andrew Wakefield and what he had gone through. And I, I thought, okay, here's another honest scientist who is just going to be ripped apart. And so, you know, I remember I actually told her in probably in May of 2010, we had dinner at Autism One in Chicago. Uh, I told her, I said, they're going to come after you. You do know that. Oh, no, they're not going to come after me. You know, I've got strong political support. Uh, Senator Harry Reid, the Senate Majority Leader, is on our side. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got strong scientific support. And I, I just said, no, because you're honest, because, you know, you're, you're a good scientist. You're going to keep pulling strings and you're going to go too far for them because you really care about patients. And um, so I, I have jokingly started to say that I, I feel like our first book, Plague, it, I compare it to Dunkirk, okay? Our forces were on the beach, they were under attack, and my job was to evacuate them from from Europe. And so, it's a plague is a thick book, but I felt like I needed to preserve all that science, the entire story, and I did. I think that this is like Normandy. We are storming the beaches with this. I yes. mean, yeah. it is, it's remarkable because, um, you know, people are saying to me, like, 
Kent, why don't you jump onto Facebook and talk about this? Why? Oh, you're being attacked. And I just find myself going like, why? 50 million people have watched the video. Um, you know, it's That's the number it. one That's book it. on Amazon. I'm happy to do interviews and talk to people like you, but why do I want to, you know, spend my time talking to some jerk on Facebook or Twitter? You know, do 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 I really want to to you know um, ignore the 50 million who have seen the video or the the people I'm going to reach and talking to you um, to talk to that one person? Oh, he wants to say some terrible thing. Well, okay, read my book. You know, it, hey, you know, can, you know, if they start attacking me, I, I'll say, can you read? <laughs> Okay. What, what I yeah, love? Yes, you can. Okay, I I wrote a really thick book <laughs> to cover every single question you might have. So instead of you being, you know, a bonehead, and and um, you know, saying what about this? What didn't she do this? It's covered in the book. It's covered in the book. You know. I know. Hey, you know, she she's really amazing. She's done a lot of things. She knows a lot of people. The story is remarkable. Um, and it's all thoroughly documented. I mean, Plague has probably over 500 footnotes. This, you know, it, and pe the complaint people had given me was, oh, it's really technical. And actually, you can get it as an e-textbook, so you can highlight things. And so yes. I, I feel like Plague of Corruption is much more readable. And it you know, is. If, it reads yeah. like a suspense novel more than more than anything else. You know, there's there's points in it where you're thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen now when she's on that bicycle, and the person is following her and stopping and taking pictures of her all the time. I'm like, this is not going to end well. <laughs> what's happening here? Yeah. So yeah, it's quite frightening what um, people in power. Uh, can do to someone who is threatening their income or their power or their control. And that is what Dr. Mikovits has discovered. Um, uh, uh, Sally Ann Clark is asking, are you and Judy safe? Because I think she's a little concerned about what's happening there. I mean, do you feel that you're safe? I, I, I feel that I'm very safe. One of the uh, people that I, um, you know, I write for the Bolin Report. And if anybody knows Tim Bolin, mm -hmm. he's just about the toughest guy around, and yeah. he's taken on our skeptics and everything. And so, anybody comes after me, you know, I got Tim Bolin in my corner, and <laughs> man, did he mess people up. I know. When I was under attack for quite a few years, Tim Bolin came to my rescue. He was wonderful. He was really, really wonderful. And for people who don't know the Bolin Report, is it just the Bolin Report or BolinReport.com? No, it's just BolinReport.com. And you write there. There's a lot of really good people who write articles there, and I recommend that people go there and check it out because. Again, Tim Bolin, I don't believe he can share things on Facebook or Twitter. They, they get taken down all the time. So, um, yeah, people need to go there and subscribe to updates so they can see all the new articles that come out. Um, and, and it's really good. Uh, Sally and, 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 and okay, okay, okay for, your, for, your, for your, my Australian viewers, I'm going to give you an exclusive. Tomorrow's article in the Bolin Report is I get a call from a CNN reporter who wants to interview me. Oh, <laughs> fake news CNN wants to talk to you. <laughs> and I think I think this may be my most popular article ever. Ooh, ooh. Okay, guys, we have to read the bowling report tomorrow and see what uh, happens with Ken. So this is like a serial. I, 
I, I, I, um, I called Tim up after this call and I said, Tim, I'm, I'm going to say this to you. So I appreciate all the things you have taught to me. Okay. Do you understand that? He goes, yes. And I said, but you must also acknowledge that I have learned all the lessons you have given me and I have gone even further. So <laughs> you have gone past the master. <laughs> I, 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 and then I told him what I did and he was just like laughing his ass off. So, um, Oh, we have to watch let, let, that let's, tomorrow. Let's, let, let me just say it may look like a project Veritas video. So, For so those you of go. you who don't know Project Veritas, they're an American um, group that, that uh, does whistleblower videos and airs an awful lot of information. They're doing a lot on COVID-19 right now as well, which yes. um, is very timely. If you haven't gone to their website, that's projectveritas.com. They're really good, really, really good. So. Let's go and talk for a little bit about COVID-19, which is the uh, flavor of the month or two months, I guess. Yeah. Um, what do you think? And first of all, I have to tell you that I think from everything that I've seen that this is nothing more than a scamdemic. It's not a pandemic. Um, the death rate, even the high death rate that's been boosted up by governments around the world is still lower than the average death rate for seasonal influenza. And for this, we are destroying the world's economy. Um, and it's kind of crazy. So I wonder, what do you think is the agenda? First of all, do you agree with me that, that this is being beat up and it's not as bad as we've been told? And if so, what you do know, you I think, think is I, the agenda? I, I, I think there's a number of things going on. And I, I'm the first to say, I feel like I have an incomplete understanding of it. Um, you know, I, I think there is, you know, a certain amount of fog of war that we don't quite know what's really going on. But without all that being said, there are some things I find very troubling um, because, and, and actually I cover this in my book, Inoculated, and as well as in Plague of Corruption, is there's a type of research called gain of function research mm -hmm. in virology. And what that really means is that they teach um, viruses how to infect other tissues, okay? So, um, you know, you can teach Ebola how to infect human tissue. And, you know, the coronaviruses generally, um, especially the bat coronaviruses, do not infect human beings. So the question, because they just don't have the receptors that match. And, you know, the, in 2000, from 2013 to 2017, um, gain of function research had been banned in the United States because they thought it was potentially dangerous. Well, uh, good old Tony Fauci spends $3.7 million, according to some news reports, uh, with a grant going to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to study how to make bat coronaviruses um, infect human tissues. What you have to do is you have to um, passage it through different animal species, okay? So, you know, there has been a lot of talk about how the coronavirus has some HIV spike proteins. Well, if you run it through monkey tissue, you're likely to get that. Um, I've heard all concerns that it's also been gone, put through pigs, through dogs, you know, any of these animals dramatically, and pangolins, of all things. Pangolins. Um, pangolins, yeah, they're a weird looking mammal. 
Um, but the reason that you do it is because um, viruses are very promiscuous in how they recombine. So you mix those tissues in a, a Petri dish and, oh my God, you've got a virus that can do some things that, you know, in nature would take thousands of years um, to make those changes if it ever happened at all. And so I really, and what really made me think that this was likely is when the coronavirus first happened, the news was broadcasting two theories. And I thought, well, both of these are, are probably wrong. You know, one, you know, they, they gave you the, the calm scientific explanation. Oh, we don't know. This came from bats. They had bat soup in the Wuhan <laughs> seafood market, although nobody apparently has ever heard of bat soup in the Wuhan seafood market um, and why you'd have bat in a seafood market. I don't know. But um, and then the other one was, oh, was this a Chinese bioweapon? They were planning to attack and it got away from them. <laughs> and, and I thought, OK, both of those are kind of bullshit. Um, how about yes. the third thing? How about you were playing around with these things and it escaped? So um, the fact that they weren't doing that, and it's, it's really been interesting to watch the coverage, at least in the United States, because President Trump has been talking about that. Secretary Pompeo says, you know, the evidence is very strong that it was an escape from the Wuhan lab. So it's not a bioengineered weapon, but it's it's a virus that has had accelerated evolution. Um, so will it have pieces and parts from other animals? Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm thinking that's the most likely thing. And and, you know, it's it's kind of terrible because, you know, here I am an American and, gee, we, we fear China. Um, but, you know, here I am saying, like, you know, it ain't just China's fault, I don't think. I, I think it's very likely that the United States bears a good deal of responsibility because, um, and it, you know, this kind of gets to my main point. Um, I've come to realize, and, and, you know, this is my opinion, I think there's a scientific elite that exists above presidents and prime ministers. Mm -hmm. And they really don't like letting their leaders know what they're doing in their labs. So is it possible that the president of China had absolutely no idea mm -hmm. what these scientists were doing there? Yeah, just as if I think it's possible that Trump has no idea about what things are being done there. And so it's a scientific elite that goes across national boundaries and, you know, they don't like to tell us what they're doing. They don't like to tell their leaders what they're doing, because if the leaders really knew what was going on in those labs and how dangerous it was, they'd shut it down. And so, you know, yeah. that, that, you know, that leads into, you know, my anti-vaccine stance, which, you know, when I realized that this word anti-vaxxer was being thrown around like a, a you know, like a, a terrible name, I thought, well, let me just take that terrible name and see if I can make it work. And so what I say, you know, because like, oh, you're a big poopy head. Okay, yeah, I'm king poopy head. Um, <laughs> own, it. own it, <laughs> own it. Own it, yeah, own it. Um, so, you know, I think what's gonna come out is that they were messing around with things that they shouldn't have. But then that got me to a different question because any good answer also generates more questions. 
So one of the things that I'd asked Judy relatively early on was I said, wait a minute, you know, your investigation showed this mouse virus jumped into humans, probably through contaminated vaccines, because they used mouse brain tissue and other tissues um, to create the, some early vaccines. I said, but isn't it a possibility that any time you mix animal and human tissue together, and then you take that material and you inject it into somebody, it doesn't have to be for a vaccine because they do it for biologics too, which is a whole nother branch of medicine. Yeah. I said, isn't there a possibility that viruses that were either present in the animal and latent can become activated or you can generate new pathogens because they so promiscuously recombine? And you know, to her credit, Dr. Judy, even though she had done that kind of research, she went and asked the questions of people she respects. And she talked to um, her longtime collaborator, Frank Rossetti, and he said something that I've never forgotten. And, and that's that when Judy asked him, he said, you know, when I was a young man, I went and asked an older scientist that very question. And the scientist responded to me, the human immune system is superior to any animal viruses that might be coming back in that syringe. And I thought to myself, that is the height of arrogance. It is. And, you know, that that is the entire you know, structure upon which they've built this public health system. And so, uh, you know, in my interviews, people, you know, are thinking that they're, they're going to scare me a little bit because they'll say, are you anti-vaccine? I go, yeah, I am. Let me tell you why. And, and so I say, now, it's, it's my belief that it's likely that animal viruses are contaminating uh, our vaccines. But I said, hey, as a science teacher, if I think something is true, I'll conduct, I, I will present you a test to figure out whether it's true or not. Well, we have amazing viral detection tools, mm -hmm. okay? We have things called virochips, which, you know, will have every known sequence located, lo loaded on them. You can put any sample you want on it, see what viruses are there. And, you know, so all we have to do is use some of this new technology, you know, take the 18 or 20 vaccines that are on the schedule and submit them all to a test. See how many different viruses are active in those vaccines. My suspicion is there's going to be a lot. And you know, one of the things that I, stories I always like to tell is in 2012, I think, um, I spent a summer in a virus lab at Lawrence Livermore National Lab, one of our uh, top labs. And it, it was kind of funny because there, there were about 30 or 40 of us science teachers there. And, you know, you're in a virus lab and, you know, it was a biosafety level two lab. So I went through the training and, you know, I, I kind of want to get to know, you know, the people who are, you know, in science. And, I, you know, I want to understand their psychology and everything. Great people. Loved them to death. Um, and it was really funny because at one point they got um, all of the science teachers together in the auditorium because they wanted to do their dog and pony show about like, here are all the great things that Lawrence Livermore Lab is doing. And, you know, so they talked about the fusion, uh, you know, uh, fusion facility they had, you know, with 192 lasers shooting at one little, you know, speck of, uh, of material. And, and then at one point they said, and we have developed some viral detection tools that are enabled us to do so many things. For example, 
We recently did a test of the Rotatech vaccine with our viral detection tool, and we found it was contaminated with pig viruses. Right. Now, this is the virus put together by Dr. Paul Offit. And so, you know, uh, the, the doctor who is talking about this really well-known, uh, Dr. Paul Jackson was, was leading the talk. And so there I am, you know, this stupid little middle school science teacher. And so I raise my hand and I say, uh, Dr. Jackson, I'm just kind of curious. You talked about these pig viruses contaminating the Rotatech vaccine. Um, how much more pig virus was in the vaccine rather than the target virus that you hoped was there? And he said, oh, it was about 10 times more pig wow. vaccine, pig virus than <laughs> our target virus. And so, you know, he kind of wants to go on. And, and so I, I raise my hand again. I say, um, excuse me, as I understand it, you only held that vaccine back for two or three weeks. But as I understand, one of the big questions in science is whether long-term viral exposure will lead to increases in cancer. Um, what, you know, research did you do to figure out if, uh, you know, this virus might be contributing to cancer? And he goes, uh, we didn't do any. It, that would take a long time. Uh. And, uh, and, and, and he goes, but it's a really good question. And, and it was kind of funny because he almost had this sort of sense like, oh, shit, there was somebody smart in the room. And, <laughs> and he, it, it was almost as if he kind of, it was almost as if he, you know, I, I can't mind read, but it, it was almost as if, guy, you know, dude, don't be asking me that question. That's above my pay grade. If it was up to me, yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, yeah. he really seemed like he was bothered by it as well, but people above him, you know, made the decision. We have the capability to find out this information, but we don't have the intention or the will to actually investigate this and look at it. I'm not sure if you followed the work of Corvelva in Italy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually in the book. Okay, I didn't get to that it's, part. It's Sorry. right near the end, right, right near the end. We're three quarters of the way through. Okay, good, because they're brilliant and they've been doing these investigations and publishing it and nobody is paying attention to it. So they- And then getting raided by the government. Yes, that's right, that's right. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm sorry, aren't we trying to discover the truth here? Yeah, and and the thing is that what's happening is if we're, we're talking about evidence-based medicine all the time, you know, putting it up on a pedestal, we need evidence, we need evidence. Well, we have evidence. If we look at the actual community and epidemiology, which I consider a junk science myself, but if we look yeah. at epidemiology, the the health, the overall health of the community is worse than it's ever been yeah. since we started keeping records. With all of our drugs, all of our vaccines, the trillions of dollars that's spent every year on, pharma on the pharmaceutical industry, and that is the only answer that we're allowed to have to any question regarding health, and yet the evidence shows clearly that it's not working. And I, what do you think? is happening with this current situation with coronavirus. I see a large segment of the population just basically cowering in their homes and saying, just keep me safe, I'll stay in here as long as you want me to, just don't let me die. But do you think that people, more people are starting to wake up 
to the, um, I mean, what is your feeling in the United States? Are more people waking up to what has been done to them, to the way in which this has been used to take away our basic rights? And how do you see this playing out? I'm asking you to look in a crystal yeah. ball. <laughs> well, it, it, it's a great question because one of the things that I think you and I both share this frustration about is we, people who have questioned these things, we come up with really great questions. We point out flaws in the data. We point out flaws in the methodology. Mm -hmm. And we just can't get anybody to pay attention to us. No. And it's almost as if this glaze goes over people's eyes, like, uh, you sound smart, but doctors say that's wrong. <laughs> and, and um, you know, I, one of the things that I am, am pushing is, I try to be the, the Scott Adams of science writers. Scott Adams is a well-known cartoonist. He did oh, the Dilbert comic strips. Uh, um, and it basically makes fun of, of stupidity in corporate culture. And so I, I say, you know, as Scott Adams talks about, you know, everybody in corporate America is, is stupid and lies, okay? And so that's just kind of like the frame of everything. And, and we've put these scientists up on a big pedestal, and I don't think they're any better than corporate America. Uh, so, you know, when they do stupid things, you know, call it stupid things. And so, but I think what's happened is this coronavirus epidemic has shown that the emperor has no clothes. Mm -hmm. um, it has, you know, people are getting so upset at the medical authorities. In California, we're having tens of thousands of people go to the beaches even though they're closed. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm seeing things every day about like, you know, in Texas, they had a salon owner who opened up, who was put in jail and, you know, uh, they, she was put in jail, you know, it was like a $50 fine. Um, but the judge said, I want you to apologize to me for being so selfish. And the woman said, no, I'm not gonna do that. And he threw her in jail for seven days. And, you know, after four days, you know, the governor stepped in and said, this is stupid, don't, you know. And so I think that this, this whole thing is showing how many people are petty dictators, you know, the, the little tyrants who, you know, if they can have some control, they will. And, you know, for me, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a screwball. So I'm never gonna be a dictator because I just don't care enough, okay, you know? I'll make my jokes, I'll say my things, and then I move off the stage. I don't want to run anybody's life. I'll say what I think is true. You know, I'll write my books and everything. But, you know, do, do I care um, how people live their lives? No, I don't. You know, if you want me to ask you, if you ask me how I think you should run your life, I, hey, you know, I might tell you, I might give you a couple things that seem to work for me. But, hey, if, you know, if you don't follow it, I'm not going to be a fascist and follow you down the street and, you know, report you to the police. And I'm sorry, you're exactly not far right. enough. You're not far enough away from that person. Who cares? <laughs> and, and it's really interesting because we have this model, this, you know, the model from the UK, Neil Ferguson's model, that all of this policy was based on. Neil Ferguson has had false models before where he has said something was going to happen and it was going to be really bad and it didn't turn out that way. And based on his incorrect modeling now, um, 
this this whole close up of the world, the lockdown has happened. And now we have people in the government in the United States and in Australia who are questioning whether or not locking people down was the right answer, whether it may have actually caused more sickness than than it's going to prevent. Um, I saw an interview with Bill Gates that was absolutely chilling, where he said that um, we have to keep everyone locked down until we have a vaccine, which he is working on producing. And um, we can't allow people out unless we know that they've either had the virus or been vaccinated. So we need to have a, a digital ID, ID 2020, that will allow them to travel. Nobody will be allowed to travel or do anything um, without this digital ID. And when you talk about you know, petty fascism, um, we are really seeing the fascist tendencies in so many of the people who we've looked up to. I mean, um, we, I'm not saying me, I've never looked up to Bill Gates, but yeah, uh, but yeah so many of the people who have been considered saints in our world um, are actually showing that they are anything but. They are quite evil. Well, we, one of the arguments that I make is, you know, I, I'm really into systems. And so, you know, bad systems lead to bad results. You know, Tony Fauci in the United States is a perfect example. Mm. He's 79 years old, and he's been in his same position since 1984. That's 36 years old. Um, one of the most chilling periods of United States history was when Hoover ran the our Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, you know, gathered files on innocent Americans, you know, blackmailed people. Yeah. Whenever somebody's in power for that long, corruption is inevitably going to happen. And so Tony Fauci, you know, he's been there 36 years. He, he's served five presidents. Uh, he's 79 years old, for God's sakes. You know, he should be in a retirement home. Um, what is he doing leading this? You know, we need, you know, a, and in Plague of Corruption, we really go after what we call the corrupt old boys club of science. You know, it's Tony Fauci. It's, it's Francis Collins. It's Harold Varmus. These people, you know, Robert Redfield at the CDC is another one. You know, these people have been in charge of stuff since the 80s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our health during the past 40 years has been atrocious. And so why are we letting these longtime bureaucrats, because they're not scientists, they ain't doing science, they're not in the lab. And, you know, we have to clean up the swamp in public health. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and somebody like Bill Gates, I mean, if you have that much money, I'm sorry. And you decide I'm going to take an interest in the world rather than I'm just going to buy great art. You know, you're going to end up a fascist. I'm sorry. That's what he is. Yeah. You, you, nobody should have that much power and influence. It's just, just nobody. It's, it's like a bad idea for human beings. That's right. And Anthony Fauci is the person responsible for the initial attack on um, Judy Mikovits, right? She, he was the one who was leading that. And it was only for his own benefit that he did that. He is corrupt from the word go, as far as yeah, I'm concerned. I, I, I mean, how, you know, her allegations are that 
Tony Fauci stole Frank Rossetti's work, gave it to Bob Gallo, so Bob Gallo publishes first, and then that creates, you know, making Bob Gallo the golden boy of American science mm-hmm. um, rather than Luc Montagnier, and then that has to be um, mediated uh, by our Ronald Reagan and Francois Mitterrand so that both countries can claim credit. But when the Nobel Prize Committee looked at it, they said, nah, it doesn't belong to Gallo, it be- belongs to Montagnier. And you know what was really so um, uh, satisfying was you know we got Luc Montagnier to endorse our book. He read it and he just loved it. So I mean, here's the guy who has the Nobel Prize in science for isolating HIV. And you know, how can people say that we are anti-science when we have you know such an amazing, not just a regular Nobel Prize winner, but I would argue that you know, his contributions with HIV have probably been the greatest of any Nobel Prize winner of the past 50 years. And people have been trying to discredit Luc Montagnier for a long time because he believes in homeopathy as well. Yep. And he questions vaccination. So um, it is it is interesting that you don't hear him referred to. They don't attack him the way that they attack Andrew Wakefield or the way that they attack other doctors because he is basically at the pinnacle of what medical science considers to be, um, you know, fantastic research and work. So he's very hard to attack, even though he's on side with our community in so many ways. Um, It's an interesting thing. So, yeah, I don't know if you've heard about what's happened in Tanzania with the uh, president of Tanzania. Oh, (laughs) yeah. The test That's hilarious. It is. It's hysterical. Um, a, a, a fruit and a goat. Was that it? <laughs> and I think it was more than that, too. I, I originally heard it was a pawpaw and a goat, but now I've understood that he's used some vegetables as well. He, <laughs> <laughs> Not human vegetables, just regular vegetables that grow in the ground. For those who are watching who don't know, the, um, the president of Tanzania did not trust the uh, the test kits that were being sent, and I believe that they are probably the same test kits that are being used in many other countries, but that's just my assumption. I haven't read anything about that. So he had tests done of a goat and fruit and some vegetables and sent them off to the lab with fake names, and they all came back as positive for COVID-19. So <laughs> it... <laughs> Okay, pawpaw, goat, chicken, jackfruit, and sheep. Sheep is very appropriate. Thank you, Sally Ann. I appreciate that. See, now, I I could be a government minister (laughs) in the government of Tanzania because that's a leader I respect. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, why aren't other countries doing this? Why would Trump have chosen Anthony Fauci to run his coronavirus commission or whatever it's called? Um, I just don't understand that. I, you know, what we hear is that, um, and, and there's a there's a Washington Post article today that I haven't read, but Tim Bowen was, was uh, telling me I needed to read it because the Washington Post article allegedly says, I have deep ties into the Trump administration, which just makes me laugh my ass off. Fauci said that or... Well, this Washington Post article. Oh, Washington Post. Washington, Washington Post article, which says, I am part of the Republican opposition to Fauci. 
and we are secretly working with the Trump administration to dethrone Fauci as the king of science. Wow. And I was just thinking like, really? I'm just a middle school science teacher. That's rubbish. <laughs> I, yeah, but, 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 uh, uh, but again, like your own prime minister who thought I was you know, a world renowned figure, uh, as Henry Kissinger said, uh, perceived power is actual power. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to play this one next. Well, I, I, I don't know quite how to terrify the mainstream media about my deep ties into the Trump administration and how we're secretly leading the team, which is setting Fauci up to pay for his crimes. I'm not sure how to do that yet. So I may need to think a little bit more yeah, about that. Yeah, I think that. you should definitely consider how you're going to approach that because it could be a good um, tactic to use. And maybe the CDC instead of the White House. <laughs> exactly. So, so you know, um, I, I'm, I'm sorry to tell people the CDC and Tony Fauci, but the black helicopters are being fueled. They are, they are on the runways. Tonight, they will take flight, and they will take you down. Okay, that's good. I'm looking forward to the headlines in tomorrow's papers. That, 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 is, that is the Washington Post conspiracy theory. <laughs> I love it. Well, now, we've got a prime minister now who's even better than Malcolm Turnbull, Scott Morrison. His, his claim to fame is that he was the one who introduced no jab, no pay into Australia, though he forgot what yeah. it was called. He actually called it no jab, no play. I mean, it was an obvious mistake. Uh, it's just whatever the Murdoch media tells him to say. And um, now he is making, he's made it compulsory, or it's become compulsory for anyone who plays football to be vaccinated and against influenza in order to prevent coronavirus. Okay. So, um, terrible. Yeah. Especially <laughs> since, since, you know, our own government has published research showing that if you get the influenza vaccine, you're 30% more likely to get COVID. That's right. But let's never let science get in the way of a good marketing campaign. Exactly. So we have, um, football players. Now, if I was going to pick on anyone, I would not want to pick on someone who's six foot five and weighs 500 pounds of pure muscle, but, okay. uh, <laughs> but that's what the government has done. And quite a few of the football players in the major league professional teams have said they are not taking the vaccine and they've been stood down. They've been fired from their positions until okay. this is over with. So the entire country is talking about this. What you were saying before about how the prime minister uh, and the media blew up your you're saying that you were going to come to Australia they're doing it again they make the same mistakes over and over again yeah. and it shows that they are really not playing with a full deck when when they're making policy or talking because they make stupid mistakes like this they, they are pretty damn stupid <laughs> they are they are so it's it's amazing that they're actually in power um I'm just looking at any other questions. We've covered so many things. I saw an interview this morning um, with Judy Mikovits at London yeah. Real. And oh, how was that? It was excellent. It was really, really okay. good. I didn't get to watch the whole thing because my internet dropped out about three quarters of the way through. This is what happens sometimes. But um, she had said that 
if there is a COVID vaccination, and I, I, I know this, I'm sort of pulling this out of left field for you, but yeah. if there is a COVID vaccination um, that is required for all people in the United States to take, she predicts that 50 million Americans are going to die because of that vaccination and those deaths will be blamed on COVID-19. Um, has she discussed this with you at all? Well, one of the things that I do know is that, um, you know, here we are in 2020 and we had SARS in 2003. So why haven't we had a coronavirus vaccine in the past 17 years if it's so easy to develop? Well, as I understand from the animal tests that they've done, they keep killing the animals. So, whoops. So yeah, we're, we're quite skeptical about it. And, and, you know, a lot of people have been trying to read the tea leaves about what Trump has said. And, you know, he, he has said on several occasions, I'd much rather have a therapeutic than a vaccine. So, you know, we, we hear these stories that he's secretly a supporter of our side. Um, and, you know, I don't know what to make of those reports, but it, it seems it, it seems possible. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, as people have uh, come to understand that the experts don't seem to have a clue as to what to do, um, that they'll start to question these things more. Yeah, that would be good. I really hope that if one good thing comes out of this scandemic, it is that it will make people think and start to ask questions, not just believe everything they're watching. Um, there's a great meme that I've seen, and it, it says the cure for, for COVID-19, and it shows a person throwing a television set out the window. <laughs> 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 and it's true because so many people, such a large percentage of the population, believe everything they see on television, everything that people like Fauci and Burks tell them. Um, and that includes many people in our media who've been taught not to think. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else that we need to talk about. You go ahead. You, you were about to say hey, something. Exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say goodbye because my family's home. Okay, no worries. It's loud and noisy here. So, I'm just grabbing um, mine plague too. Corruption. <laughs> that plague corruption. Keep it number one all around the world. <laughs> Buy it from the AVN if you're in Australia. I see the puppies want to go out for a walk. Yep. <laughs> okay, Kent, it is always a pleasure speaking with you. Enjoy the rest of your day with your family. And, and Meryl, you're one of my true heroes, oh, so thank the you. respect is mutual. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on Under the Wire today. Um, it was good seeing you all, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. See you.